Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 907. So I started yelling and screaming and banging things around, and he gave me the best advice I've ever had working on a car. He said, Joe, walk away. When you're frustrated, when you're upset, walk away from the car, get the hammer out of your hand, walk away from the car, have a glass of water, make yourself a sandwich, have a beer, whatever you need to do, and then come back when you're thinking rationally and you're not upset. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest calling all the way in from Florida today, Joe Guerin. Hey, Joe, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I sure am, man. Let's pedal to the metal. All right, here we go. Joe Guerin is the associate publisher at Motorsport Marketing in Holly Hills, Florida. Motorsport Marketing is a parent company for Grassroots Motorsports and Classic Motorsports magazines and websites, all owned by past Cars Yeah guest Tim Suttard. Joe's many roles include writing articles, helping to organize some of their wonderful events, including some really cool driving events, selling advertising, sponsorships, and digital products. Joe's a self-described diehard Bears fan. We won't hold that against you. I'm kidding you, of course. And it's constantly down. <laughs> and is constantly in acquisition or purge mode, I should say, when it comes to his never-ending fleet of vehicles that he loves to work on. Sounds like some of Tim's disease has rubbed off on you there. And I had the privilege of meeting Joe at a Recaro seat event when I was at SEMA a few weeks ago. We got to uh, have a few drinks together and talk about cars, and I have a feeling we could have talked all night long. In fact, I think as I remember, they had to throw us out. So fun stuff. And now we get to share that with the listeners. So Joe, I've told our listeners a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share a little bit more about your career and a very obvious passion for automobiles? Yeah, you know, I, I have, uh, I've always loved cars since before I can even remember. And uh, when I was about 20 years old, I discovered grassroots motorsports in the back of a rack in a King Supers grocery store in Colorado. I had done some autocrossing in the Chicagoland region, SCCA, and uh, once I picked up the magazine, it you know told stories of bringing home old rusty cars and uh, having too many projects already. I said, wow, this magazine's made for me. <laughs> so I, I uh, ended up moving down to Florida, and I, I went into the office, made them a, an offer they couldn't refuse, basically offered to work for them for free. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so I could prove myself. Yeah, what's he going to say, right? Yeah. Work for free, and I love cars. Yeah. So uh, that was that was fifteen and a half years ago, and uh, we're we're still rocking and rolling. Oh my gosh! Wow, I had no idea you were with that organization as long as you have been, and I love the publications. And there's a couple things about the way the book's designed that's good for someone like me. I mean, it's just easy, sweet, short projects. It's really what the titles are, grassroots, and I think all of our listeners who have any love or passion for cars, which is pretty much everyone listening to this show, should get their hands on that magazine if you're not a subscriber. I just resubscribed, by the way, so uh, excellent. you're welcome excellent. very Fine much. Work. Yeah. <laughs> well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's uh, been instrumental in your life and your success, and it's a nice way to get the uh, wrench spinning or the inspirational tires turning, as I say here on Cars Yeah, so Joe, take the wheel. 
You know, it might sound trite, but, uh, you know, do unto others as you'd have them do to you, the whole golden rule. Mm-hmm. I've learned, I'm, I'm not an old man, I'm 47 years old, but one thing I've learned for sure is if you treat people with respect and honesty, uh, you'll end up a happy person, comfortable in your own skin. And if you mistreat people and uh, don't treat people with respect, you're, you'll end up unhappy, regardless of your monetary you know, situation. So always try to keep that in mind and, and be a, a decent human being. And, you know, you can still have fun and, and uh, be a good person. But uh, always want to make sure that you, uh, you treat people decently. You know, would it be nice if everybody on this planet practiced that simple little thing in life is treat people the way you would like to be treated. Ah, oh, the world would be a much happier place, that's for sure. Unfortunately, not everybody does, but I'm glad to hear that you do, and it comes across in the kind of person you are. As I said, we got to spend some time together, so always a win-win situation. Well, let's go back in time a little bit, because I have a feeling you've been a car guy for a long, long time, so share with us a story that instigated your passion for cars, a pivotal moment it, as you remember it when you knew you were a car guy? You know, it's it's hard to pinpoint because it's always been there. I mean, we have, you know, old wooden blocks. You know, back in the days before handheld devices, when we were little kids, we, we played with wood. <laughs> oh, yeah, tinker toys. Wood, we, <laughs> yeah, yeah, tinker toys, and we just had blocks, just wooden blocks. And, of course, with Magic Marker, we put on it Joe's Garage. And then, you know, my brother <laughs> Ken, Ken's Garage. And this is when we were three years old. He was maybe five years old. Uh-huh. But the thing that, that really sticks out to me, my father has always been a car enthusiast, never much of a wrench, but he's always been a driver. And when we were, uh, when we were little kids, my parents, when they were first married, they didn't have any money and they lived on the, uh, the third floor of my grandmother's house. And there was a, a separate garage. And my brother and I used to go and sneak into the garage when we were little kids. And underneath a tarp, my father had had a, a Jaguar XK150. Ooh. And and the car was a rat. Uh, he had an MGA that got stolen in high school, and with the insurance money, he bought a a ratty XK150. And well, being not a very good wrench and buying a dilapidated Jaguar is not a really good combination. <laughs> Bad combination, yeah. <laughs> right. So in short order, the uh, the drivetrain was separated from the body. The body got sold off, but underneath that tarp in the garage was that beautiful Jag straight six. And I remember my brother and I peeling off of that tarp with all the dust and seeing that glorious engine. And even though I was just a little kid and, you know, the growler on the shifter and it it just made such a huge, and that that looked like power to me, you know, that (laughs) engine. And and if you've ever seen a a Jag straight six, you know what I mean? They're just, you know, one of the most beautiful engines ever made. Oh yeah. Wow. What fun. What fun. Well, it's too bad the rest of the car wasn't there, but I understand. Yeah. You got to have a lot of patience as well when you have an old British car, especially an old car like that, but must've been fun. Well, Joe, Take us down some of the many roads you've traveled and share with us a big challenge or even better yet, a big failure that you face along the way. I always say that the great thing about failing or challenges is they teach us things. And I've even had guests that say, fail often, fail all the time. I had one guest who said, fail at least a hundred times, set that goal every year. So tell us, tell us what your challenge was and tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum as you moved forward. 
Yeah, that's that's funny you mentioned that because you know, growing up in Chicago, I'm a, a big uh, Chicago sports fan. There's a great Michael Jordan quote where he just lists all you know he got cut from his basketball team in high school and how he you know all of these failures that he had throughout his life. Yeah. And if he wouldn't have had those failures, he never would have you know been as uh, as successful as he was. One thing sticks out to me, you know, growing up, my dad worked for uh, John Hancock, the insurance company. Oh yeah. He was always he was always a corporate kind of guy because you know that's what you did in his area. You'd, get out of high school, you go to college, you have to get out of college, you go work for a big company and you work your butt off and and then, you know, you're successful in the end. Mm-hmm. Well, when I first got out of college, you know, he had kind of instilled that in me and I'm like, well, I got to get a suit and tie job, you know, and, and go out and, and kind of push the bricks and uh, I got this job selling postage meters. Postage? And, uh, you know, oh, okay. Yeah, posted, okay. You know, <laughs> yeah. you got like Pitney Bowes. Well, oh, this yeah. is Ascom Hassler. They were the other make. They had about maybe 1% of the market and Pitney Bowes had 99% of the market. Right. And, and my job was to go to these businesses, basically trick the receptionist who was usually a very attractive young girl, trick her into finding the, the office manager who deals with the postage and then making my pitch on mm-hmm. that person. Yeah. <laughs> and day after day, cold call after cold call, I, I, you know, if I got past the receptionist and then she realized, that I had fooled her, I would get this dirty look, and it just it just wore me down. Oh, just yeah. seeing that, yeah. that girl go, oh, you're such a scumbag. And I wouldn't lie to her. I'd say, hey, I'm the postage meter guy. I just wouldn't say that I was a pitney, but, you know, I, <laughs> yeah. I was the competing postage meter <laughs> yeah. guy. Yeah. Um, but I, I failed pretty miserably at that job because I, I just couldn't – I didn't have it in me after a while to, to just deceive in order to uh, to make a buck. That job really taught me no matter what you do, don't do something you hate because mm. <laughs> you're not going to be able to do a good job. Yeah. You know, regardless if you're waiting tables or you're bartending or you're sweeping floors or whatever you're doing, have, have some pride and enjoy it. And if you enjoy it, you'll do a much, much better job. But if you hate something, man, there's so many jobs out there. Why, why stay with something that you hate doing? It's a simple thing, but you're right. So many people think when they get out of school that they've got to go have some kind of a corporate job or some kind of job that is what their parents think they should do. And they find out that they hate it or worse yet, they get so entrenched into it and then they become in debt with family and house and mortgage and cars. And they realize after 10, 15 years, I've been doing this a long time and I don't like any day of my life until the weekend comes. so miserable. People get trapped into this this misery cycle where they have to pay their bills, so they have this job, and they're afraid to break out and to, to do anything, to, to actually chase that dream and to do right. anything that might make them happy. This sounds like a cliche and pretty obvious to people, but what would be your takeaway, instead of wasting your time at any point in your life to do a job that you really don't like? And sometimes it's a hard thing for people to figure out is what their passion is. But what kind of a lesson could you offer someone out there that might be stuck in one of these ruts to get them out of it as soon as they can so they can move on and be successful at what they enjoy? You know, I had this conversation about a dozen years ago. And I was on the road and going to some event. And, and I had stopped at like a Chili's or a TGIFs or something. And I'm having dinner at the bar. And I ran into some kids that were just out of college. And they were fans of the magazine. So we got to talking and, and the kid's like, God, you have such a great job. You know, how, how'd you get into this? How could I do something like this? And I told him it's whatever drives you, whatever you have a lot of passion for. It could be model trains. It could be the weather. It could be automobiles. Whatever that is, everybody has something they're passionate about. Go for it. 
because if you don't, it's always going to be in the back of your head. It's always, oh, you know, but what if, what if I could have done that? And there's a certain comfort in that because if you never, if you never go for it, you can always think, well, but I could, or boy, I could have. And you don't have to face that failure if you actually go for it and, and it doesn't work out. But the one thing I realized, I always thought everybody was a car freak like I am. Hmm. I just assumed that everybody in the world wanted to go work for a car magazine or go work in the automotive industry. What I found is that's not the case. There's a lot of people that have so many different interests that I found that when I narrowed it down, I'm like, you know what? There isn't anybody better for this because there's nobody that's more passionate about Hmm. it than I am. There's the key. Yeah, if you have that kind of passion for something, go for it because the next guy might not have that passion. Right. And if you don't have the courage to go for it, uh, you're selling yourself short and you're selling whatever industry that is short because they could probably use a guy like you. Yeah, yeah. Just don't go through your life with, and my listeners have heard this before, shoulda, woulda, coulda, words of a loser. <laughs> and I told the story the other day about uh, where I learned that was out catching waves one day with a neighbor of mine. And uh, you can go back and listen to that show to hear the rest of the story. I won't share it again. But you're right. The key is figuring out your passion and figuring out how to wrap your life around it. And that's exactly what Cars Yeah is all about. Let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment. It's time when those headlights illuminate a new path for you and you realize that's the direction I need to go. What was your aha moment? Hmm. Well, you know, there's a certain thing that I like doing more than I, some parts of my job are more enjoyable than other parts of my job, obviously, like pretty much everybody out there. And although there were a lot of sales, I'm not driven by money as much as I am by, by creating relationships and, and helping people grow their companies and, and, and just, uh, you know, getting to know people and their stories. And I was at uh, the Optima Ultimate Streetcar Championship right after SEMA a few years ago. And, you know, we, we're in the road racing world. So first thing I do is I go over to the tech area. And uh, my friend Brian Wilson, who works for Center Force Clutches, great, great people over there. I asked him, I said, hey, you know, um, what do these cars weigh? Because in my mind, from a road racing background, that was the first thing that came to mind. And he's like, well, I don't know. We haven't weighed them. And then it hit me. It's like, you know, most of the people at that time that were at Optima, they didn't have a lot of road racing background. So they weren't corner weighting their cars. They weren't doing camber cast or toe in, toe out. You know, a lot of setup that road race guys take for granted. Mm-hmm. And I work with Intercom real closely. They're also really nice people. So I hooked the Intercom people up with Jimmy Day's organization that runs that event and also with Center Force. And, uh, and then they began to, to work with that organization. And now when you go to those events, you have access to camber cast or toe in, toe out and corner weighting and and it kind of opened up my eyes like, wow, my job's more than editorial sales. It's I can really put companies together, help them out. I look great in their eyes because I'm, I'm doing them a favor and it does me a favor at the same time. So so throughout my tenure at, at uh, Grassroots and Classic, um, I've always tried to kind of be the Chuck Woolery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you, yeah, you see yeah. two companies that could work together and it's like, wow, you know, maybe these guys can collaborate and make better businesses for both of them. And it helps us at the same time because you're you're helping to facilitate that. Collaboration, communication, the link. Definitely. Yeah. Adding value in that way is one of those unique ways to sell someone. And sell might be a strong word, but that's what you're doing. You're obviously looking for advertisers, people to collaborate with. But the fact that you're helping people without just asking for money up front is a wonderful way to do that and be helpful. Excellent. Great tip. Well, how about a proudest career moment? I would assume you've had many of those. Is there one that stands out for you? 
You know, the, the proudest moments I've had are the relationships I've been able to, to develop. When I was a little kid, we used to play slot cars like a lot of kids oh, yeah. you know, used to. And my, my favorite slot car was the BRE 240Z, you know, the Brock Racing Engineering. Yeah. I didn't know who Peter Brock was. I didn't know what BRE was. I was like four years old, five years old, uh-huh. maybe six. But I loved that 240Z. I just thought it was such a cool shape. I also noticed that the plastic body was a little bit smaller, so it handled a little bit better than the stock cars my older brother Ken would use. Sure. So I loved that car. Well, fast forward to modern day, and I've become friends with Peter Brock through the, the industry. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've been to his house. He has a party at the SEMA time every year. And to, to be there and to know Peter and his, his lovely wife, Gail, and to, to meet the people he's introduced me, I've been able to meet you know, Linda Vaughn and John Morton and, and just all these, these heroes of mine growing up. Sure. And they treat me like a peer, which is, it's just, it's a really neat thing. And I don't know if that's a proud thing, but it's certainly... Uh, one of the most satisfying things about what I've been able to do. Oh, yeah, that is very cool. Yeah, and Peter Gale, and Gail, great people. I've known them for a long time. and They're awesome. They have a cool house, don't oh, they? Oh, isn't that place great? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it yeah and is. the story behind it is even better. It's, I know. It's fantastic. Yeah, it really is. And then you go out in the garage, you see a couple of Daytona coupes parked out there, and it just makes it that much more special. Well, let's go back in time a little bit and have some fun. Now, you sent me a couple pictures. I have all my guests send me cool pictures that I use on their Cars Yap show notes page. <laughs> you sent me a couple pictures, some interesting cars. One looks like a beautiful little Triumph, which I can imagine yeah. driving around Florida. And the other one, though, is a little more out there, <laughs> I guess I should say. I think it, it says Pacer on the side of that car. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. This plate says 79 Pacers. So. <laughs> okay. Well, let's see if any of these fit into this question. I always ask everybody about their first really special car, something that had meaning for them. What was yours? I am uh, kind of a strange guy, and I develop personal relationships <laughs> with pretty much all the cars that I've owned. Okay. But I'd say my very first car, uh, which was a 1966 Chevelle, I bought it when I was 16 years old in Illinois for $250. Score! And it came <laughs> it came with patch panels for only an extra 100 bucks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, Starting to see the picture here. <laughs> oh, boy, yeah. You know, I think rust belt, yeah. neglected car, and uh, but, you know, we took it for a test drive. It blew oil smoke like crazy, but my buddy Jim McMahon, who was, I think, probably 19 at the time, he's like, oh, no, it probably just needs a head job, you know? It's this guy, this ain't going to be a hot rod. <laughs> so we we, uh, we brought it home. My mother cried and begged me to bring it back. <laughs> Your mother cried. <laughs> <laughs> she really did, yeah. My poor mother. That's how most of my stories growing up begin. She's a wonderful, wonderful woman and a real inspiration. <laughs> but we, uh, you know, she raised three boys. And, oh, yeah. You know, she has, she's got um, quite a bit of gray hair. Her hands full. <laughs> oh, yeah. We certainly did that. So that, that Chevelle, uh, you know, we took it down to bare metal. And then realized that it was on about its fourth half-assed restoration. Yeah. But I, you know, I spent lots of time block sanding the Bondo and got an Earl Scheid paint job. And sure. uh, I drove that for a couple of years in high school until uh, until it finally uh, expired. <laughs> uh, but that, 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 was, uh, that was the first. So you always remember your first, right, Mark? That's true. Absolutely. Well, how about Seller's Remorse? Is there a vehicle you've let go that you wish you had back? There is. There is. When I when I graduated from college, my parents, you know, my folks weren't wealthy people, but they, they were well off enough that they, they bought me a car 
when I graduated college. Now, this wasn't a new car. It had a budget of about 2500 bucks. So I always like my dad had a slew of uh, early Volkswagens, early water-cooled Volkswagens as a kid. And I always loved the first generation Scirocco's. Uh, and I, uh, I looked long and hard. I found a really, really clean 81 Scirocco. And oh, I just drove the heck out of that car. I had it as, as far east as Cape Cod, Massachusetts, as far west as Moab, Utah. Wow. As far north as Ely, Minnesota, and Boca Raton, Florida. So I just drove the wheels off it and modified it a little bit, autocrossed it, had a blast with it, and uh, moved it down here to Florida with me, and it just kind of fell into disrepair, and I ended up selling it to a guy who comes to our um, our challenge. You know, we do that, that crazy, wacky contest every year this year is the 2017 dollar challenge mm -hmm. and uh, he had brought volkswagens before that performed really well super super nice guy so i sold it to him for a song and you know it needed quite a bit of work uh and i believe he still has it somewhere oh, really? but i i fear that it's uh it's probably succumbed to the tin worm as most of those have but i've still got my eye open so anybody listening if you've got a clean unmolested mark one scirocco and I prefer the 78 to 81 model, mm -hmm. let me know. Give me a call because uh, we, can, we can barter. Yeah, you just don't see many of those out there. My first new car was a 79 Scirocco. Oh, rock on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I bought it right off the showroom floor. It was that metallic dark green color with a tan interior. It had I know exactly what you're talking about. I had yeah. gold pinstripes put on it, and I replaced those uh, ugly wheels that they put on those with the beautiful Terrible. beautiful gold basket weave bbs wheels that were so popular during that time yeah. yeah i had that car for like nine years sold it to my neighbor across the street it was still spotless when i sold it and sadly uh i think it was a drunk driver hit that car when his wife was driving oh. it and that that killed that one but uh they were fun little cars i drove mine all over the place too not nearly as far as you did holy cow you were everywhere yeah, you just don't see them anymore. I think back then those cars were not protected and they've all rusted away. So uh, if there's a listener out there that has one, you've got a buyer. So uh, reach, <laughs> reach out to Joe. He'll write you the big check. Let's talk. Yeah, let's talk. Well, let's talk about what has you excited right now about what's going on with grassroots motorsports and classic motorsports. Uh, what has you fired up today? Oh, man, we've got so much going on over there, really, you know. Although print has kind of declined in a lot of ways, it hasn't with us. We have such a hardcore group of enthusiasts that read both magazines. Print circulation is actually up. We finally got a full suite of digital products that we can offer people now, which is fantastic. Uh, and we've added a bunch of different events. If you've never been to one of our events, you really should come to either the MIDI, the Rolex 24 at, uh, at Daytona. We actually have a thing called the Grassroots Motorsports Experience at the Rolex 24 Hours of Daytona. Mm -hmm. And it's a wonderful time. Uh, the MIDI, a classic motorsports, we call it Speed Fest at the Classic Motorsports MIDI. That's at the end of April up at Road Atlanta. Great vintage race, but it's so much more than just a vintage race. You know, we have a thousand cars on display and a vendor's row with 30 or 40 vendors. And we've got parade laps and touring laps and Kid Pad Challenges, all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, and now we're doing road tours. We've got a Orange Blossom tour that goes throughout Florida, kind of dispelling the myth that uh, Florida doesn't have any uh, beauty or, or, or interesting roads, because mm -hmm. it really, really does. And we are also doing the Smoky Mountain tour, which takes place uh, fittingly in the Smoky Mountain. <laughs> Good place, yeah. Hey, right. And if anybody's driven through there, you know what the roads are like up there. They're just absolutely amazing. So we have, we always have about 15 different balls that we're juggling in the air. So there's, there's never a dull moment. 
And, uh, you know, and, and today I got to go out to uh, Daytona International Speedway because HSR, who we partner with at the MIDI, mm-hmm. uh, they're having a big event, the classic 24-hour at, uh, at Daytona. So, boy, out there today, there's some fine machinery out there. Oh, They'll be running into the night. So that's got me fired up this weekend. I'm, I'm probably going to uh, boogie over there either tonight or tomorrow morning and uh, check out some more racing and, and see some more of my friends out there. Well, I tell you, I've subscribed to both your publications for, I think, since the beginning for a long, long time. They're really, really cool. And I'll remind our listeners that if you have uh, any inclination towards cool old sports cars, uh, both these publications are so fun. Motorsports and uh, I mean, it's just so cool. And I don't know how you guys do everything you do. I mean, Tim Sutter, there must be four of them because I've always told that guy, how are you doing all these events? How do you pull this off? He is, he is a, <laughs> uh, he's a hurricane in human form. Yeah, you know, I think so. just an absolutely unstoppable force of nature. Yeah. And I've never in my life met anybody that works as hard as that guy does. Oh, yeah. And he has genuine passion for what we're doing. And I think that comes through in the magazines. Honestly, everybody in the office, we're all a bunch of car nuts. We mm-hmm. all work on cars. We all love to race. It's in our blood. I mean, and I think that's why the publications have been successful over the years because when the readers see it, they can tell it's genuine. They, they can tell that we really dig this stuff. I mean, oh, we're yeah. not doing this because, you know, we want to make a buck. We're, we're doing this because we, we're passionate about cars and automobiles and racing. And, uh, and I think that, that comes through on the websites and, and, you know, at the events and, of course, in, in the magazines, too. It's absolutely very authentic. And uh, if you ever meet Tim anywhere, even if it's at a cocktail party at the Quail Lodge, which I have, just look at his fingernails. The guy is always <laughs> working on cars. Tim, sorry, I'm not making fun of you. I just think it's great because uh, he gets out there and actually does the real work. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, Joe. If you were a car, what kind of car would Joe be and why? Well, 79 Pacer Station Wagon, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I wondered when that car was going to pop up again. <laughs> yeah, that car is actually a gift. It was bequeathed to me. So anyone listening, if you think you are worthy of a 79 AMC Pacer <laughs> Station Wagon, send me an email at joe at grassrootsmotorsports.com. Let me know your story. And who knows? Maybe it can be bequeathed to you, but it has to go to a good home. That's the whole point. Uh, yeah. Well, there you go. There's a cool offer, <laughs> I think. Yeah, yeah. It's a free car. <laughs> Maybe. It's a free car. It just has to go to a good home. Rutledge Wood actually said he wanted it at SEMA, but hey, I haven't heard from the guy, and it's first come, first serve. Well, I've been trying to get him on this show for over a year. I wish he'd call me back, too. So maybe uh, maybe we need to uh, both uh, tag team him. But is that really the car that you would be, or is there something nah. different? <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's kind of out there. But uh, you know the car that Mad Max drove? The uh, was it a Ford Falcon XB? Yeah. In the first Mad Max movie? Yeah. Uh-huh. You know what? I'd, I'd, I'd love to picture myself as that car. I'm not nearly as muscular or as, uh, as badass as that car was, but it's a little bit wild. It's yeah. uh, a little bit hairy. It's loyal. Yeah, so I'd, I'd go with that. I, I could do a whole lot worse than Mad Max's Interceptor. Oh, right? absolutely. Abs- yeah, the Interceptor. And that car always had a Javelin-esque appearance about it in my mind yeah just that kind of look and feel so very nice you're the first one of those joe so i think that's pretty cool there you go (laughs) out of 907 people that's saying something well joe up next is the last lap but before we put the pedal to the metal let's say thank you to today's cars yeah sponsors hey cars yeah i'm a huge fan of covercraft i've protected my vehicles with their products for decades Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft seat covers. They'll protect your seats from the daily abuse of pets, children, weekend adventures, and even those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. 
All Covercraft seat covers are easy on, easy off design that are machine washable. You can choose from many fabric options, colors and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicles. Their seat gloves are semi-custom fit for cars and trucks, and their seat savers, a favorite of mine, are custom tailored to fit your seats like a glove. Work truck seat covers are tough, durable, denim weight fabric. It's like putting a pair of rugged jeans on your truck's seats. Want to stay warm? Covercraft also offers seat heaters. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garages built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Okay, Joe, we're back, and we're entering the last lap. You've been on many tracks. You know what that means. The white flag is out. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? You know, my older brother, Ken, has always been working on cars since I was a little kid. And when I started working on cars, I was frustrated working on that Chevelle, no doubt, and trying to get a a rusty nut off, and it was Illinois, so every nut and bolt on the car was <laughs> rusted solid. It was yeah. just a nightmare. So I started yelling and screaming and banging things around, and he gave me the best advice I've ever had working on a car. He said, Joe, walk away. <laughs> when yes. you're frustrated, when you're upset, walk away from the car. Get the hammer out of your hand. <laughs> walk away from the car. Have a glass of water. Make yourself a sandwich. Have a beer. Whatever you need to do. And then come back when you're thinking rationally and you're not upset. Because if you're working when you're upset, you're going to lose your patience. You're going to break something. Mm-hmm. You're going you're to do something stupid. So walk away. Wise words from a brother that was very smart, for sure. I wish he'd been around for some of the times I was working on cars and ended up breaking something. And it cost you more of everything. Oh, uh, yeah. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has helped contribute to your successes over the years? Well, in the sales realm, listening to people and honestly giving a damn about their business and, and what their goals and objectives are, you know, they always say you're supposed to listen twice as much as you speak. And sometimes that's hard, especially with an opinionated guy like myself. <laughs> but especially when you're dealing with a client, and I don't think it really has to be sales. I think this goes for really any, any facet of life. Listen to people. Listen to what they have to say. Listen to what drives them and what is important to them. And once you understand where they're coming from, you have a much better idea of how to approach the situation. Oh, absolutely. My my lovely mother said to me once, Mark, that's why you have two ears and one mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so, and two eyes, too. 
Now, how about a resource? There are great resources out there these days. Is there one that you'd like to share with our listeners? I am, and it's a shameless plug, but hey, man, that's, uh, you know, that's okay because it, it's honestly uh, it's yeah. a fantastic resource. Go to grassrootsmotorsports.com and click on the forum at the top of the page. Mm. We have one of the most amazing communities in the whole automotive world online. I mean, you can post up any sort of an automotive question up there, and within minutes, you're going to have a lot of really thought-out, intelligent answers. A lot of times in, in out there in the in the interwebs, you have opinionated people that get uh, internet muscles and they want to shoot you down and yell at you <laughs> yeah. and tell you you're an idiot because, you know, you don't know the nomenclature for the latest Mitsubishi motor or something silly. Um, there's none of that on our, our forum. Our forum is really, it's kind of self-moderated, full of engineers, mechanics, uh, really, really bright, decent people. And it's amazing to me how... Um, the, the, the information that gets shared is really fantastic. So I, I really implore you, if you have any kind of automotive question, even if you're not a car person and you're, you have just a, an, an easy, simple question that you're embarrassed by, don't be. Go to the GRM forums. People are friendly. You don't have to be afraid of them. And, uh, and don't, be, don't be afraid to get technical either if you are an expert because there's few things that the guys on there won't be able to figure out. Uh, it really is a fantastic resource. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I think your forum is one of the better ones out there. And forums are a great way to learn about things. But there are some that are kind of evil. And you just go, I'm not going back there. Oh. And uh, there's yeah. some that are great. So uh, the GRM forum is absolutely fantastic. I'll make sure I put a link to that on Joe's show notes page on the Cars yeah! website. You can find it really easy with a single click. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Of course. Love to support you guys. Now, if you could have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, if I could arrange that, who would it be? Well, hey, if you can arrange it, Mark, you know, because both of these guys are still alive. Okay. The guys that immediately come to mind, at least. There's a lot of people from the past. I'd love to have a drink with Nuvolari, you know, but oh, I think the, the yeah. language barrier might get in the way. <laughs> but the two guys, they're, they're still around and they're, they're so highly regarded. Uh, Dan Gurney and Peter Egan. Mm, um, yeah. You know, Dan Gurney, you look at that guy's resume from, you know, racing Cobras and winning, you know, so many different races and developing Indianapolis cars and being the only American driver to design an F1 car and win an F1 race, I think it was 67 at Spa. And then you look at his reputation and you will never hear anybody say anything negative about, about Dan Gurney. You know, he's, he's done it the right way. He's treated people with respect uh, and he's just so widely loved. And what a fertile mind. Um, you know, that, that's a guy I would, I would love to have a conversation with because I just have so, so much respect for him. And, and he's one of the guys I've never been able to meet in this industry. Mm, yeah. And then Peter Egan, you know, longtime automotive journalist, just a, a, he really could bring complex issues down to the common man. And I, I've had a chance to speak with him briefly a number of times, and he's come across as just one of the, the friendliest, most open guys you could ever imagine. They say don't meet your heroes, but hey, it was great meeting him, you know, and he exceeded my expectations. So either of those guys, boy, that'd be a dream come true to, to sit down and, uh, you know, have a few beers or dinner with or something. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Two icons in the industry for sure. Now, how about a book? Is there a book you've read you think our listeners would enjoy? Yes, there is. Uh, and I'm, I'm kind of a Daytona homer here because of this. But about a mile and a half down from uh, where I'm sitting right now 
is well the former the former site of Smoky Unix best damn garage in town. <laughs> yeah. And if anybody knows if you don't you're not familiar with who Smoky Unix was, look it up, uh, check out his Wikipedia page or uh, do a little research cuz he was a character and a guy that really changed the landscape of racing as we know it. And he put together a three volume autobiography called Smoky Unix best damn garage in town. The first volume is about flying B-17 bombers in World War II when he was 19 years old. Yeah, yeah. The second volume is all about his NASCAR exploits. And the third volume is it's actually called Skinny Little Rulebook. And it's about his Indianapolis days. Because he built cars for Indianapolis as well back when innovative ingenuity was just, you could do anything you wanted almost at the Indy 500. And though he wrote them. There's no ghostwriter. So, you know, they're not grammatically correct. He repeats himself at times. Mm-hmm. It's kind of crude and yeah. lewd at times. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> not kind of, it is. Yeah, you know? very but much so. But it's a genuine look from the horse's mouth of how racing used to be. And it's fascinating. It's, it's uh, I think, easily the, the best automotive publication that I've, a book that I've ever read. I, I just found it totally fascinating. Right. If you're an automotive enthusiast, that has to be in your library because it is it is wild and crazy and out there. And you just realize what a character this guy was. Oh, I'm so upset that I wasn't able to meet him. I moved here to Daytona in 2002. and Unfortunately, he had passed in 2001. Uh, but I have been able to meet and befriend his daughter, Trish Unick, who's just a sweetheart, just a wonderful, wonderful person. When I first moved down here, I went over to the shop because they just released the, this book. And she hadn't touched his shop at all. So the office was exactly the way it was. And she gave me a tour through the place. They had had an auction, so a lot of the stuff was sold. But just to see all that stuff and to feel the history of that place was really, really, it made a big impression. Well, great recommendation. And I'll remind our listeners, you can find all these great resources Joe has shared on his Cars Yeah show notes page. Just go to CarsYeah.com, type in Joe Guerin, G-E-A-R-I-N. How'd you get a car guy name like that? Guerin, that's pretty cool. You were destined, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even have to change my name when I got this job, right? Absolutely. And I'll make sure that uh, this book is listed. There's a great place on this, the website, actually, called Guest Recommended Books, where there's over a 1,000 very cool books recommended by the amazing past guests I've had here on Cars. Yeah, and I made it real easy to just click and buy. So check it out. All right, Joe, we're up to the checkered flag. The fun part here. This question can be a bit of a doozy, though, for a car guy who owns a Pacer. <laughs> <laughs> now, 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 Mark, we're at the checkered flag. Are, are you in front of me or am I in front of you? Oh, you're always, my guests are always in front of me. I'm always chasing my <laughs> guests down the road. That's for sure. Trying to keep up. I'm going to buy you any cool collector car in the world today. doesn't matter what it is, but you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other cars with. You got to keep it, drive it, enjoy it. No garage queens here on Cars, yeah. So what's it going to be? A Series 1 E-Type Jag Coupe. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's, I probably wouldn't want a flat floor car. I'd probably want a 4.2 liter because they had the synchro mesh gearbox, but they still had those incredible covered headlights. Yeah. So yeah, I think an E-type coupe, every time I see one, my knees get a little bit weak and they're not the most valuable cars, but I think they're probably the prettiest. Well, here's what's interesting about your answer. Almost everybody who says Jaguar series one wants a convertible. You said a coupe. Yeah, yeah, I want the coupe. I think it's prettier. I, 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 uh, I'd like the coupe. The, the, the convertible is a gorgeous car, and I could see why people would love them. But for some reason, that coupe body style just does it for me. I think it's, it flows better, and I think it's just, it's just, 
incredibly beautiful. Well, it's the car that started it for me, and my my listeners are going to hear it again. They've heard it a thousand times. <laughs> the first Matchbox by Lesney that my dad ever bought me when I was a little boy, we went to the hardware store, and his 49 MGTC was a red nice. Jaguar Coupe, and I still have it. I'm looking at it right now. It's sitting on my desk. You still have your first Matchbox car? I still I have all my Matchbox cars. Yep. I have them all. <laughs> yeah, I'm a maniac. That's but amazing. That is amazing. That one was the first. And I remember, I think they were 35 cents at the time, which was a big deal, you know, in the early 60s. Like, ooh, dad's going to buy this for me. Yeah, that's the car that started it for me. My dad had a friend that had one. I got to get a ride in it, and I've always wanted a Series 1. And the Coupe is interesting because I think for a long time it kind of became the oddball out, but I really think it has held up over time, the beautiful lines of that thing. And the way the back door, the hatch opens from the side, oh, yeah. which is really yeah. neat. So, uh, fantastic. What color would you like that jag to be dark blue i believe oh. dark blue or black it'd have to be a dark color I, okay. I like them and i'm not a red car hey look at me kind of guy i'm a i'm a more earth tone uh blend into the environment so johnny law doesn't notice me quite as much <laughs> guy. well johnny law is going <laughs> to notice a jaguar coupe going by especially yeah as- yeah it's kind of hard not to notice one of those well that triumph you have is a dark blue color so i can see where the the passion for the uh the british cars comes from well joe you've taken me on a great ride today i knew when i met you at sema this is going to be a fun talk I'm, i really appreciate you calling in tonight well we're over i thought we we're just getting started we're not going to talk all night well we're going <laughs> to sign off to our listeners then we're going to go out to daytona and watch some of those endurance cars run around the track that would be a fun way to spend the, the rest of the evening and the weekend i want to thank you for sharing your journey with the cars y'all listeners with me is there one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance you might offer us before you rip off into the sunset in that series one jaguar coupe you know i, I just you know just kind of rehash just be as honest as you can be the best person you can be and follow your dreams follow your passion why not you know if not you who else so, you know, uh, go for it. Why Why not? You know, don't don't live with regret. Absolutely. I always say you can fail doing something you hate. So why not try to not fail doing something that you love? What's the best way for our listeners to follow you and learn more about the publications there at Grassroots? Really, our websites are, are the portal to everything motorsport marketing. You know, Grassroots Motorsports, Classic Motorsports, ClassicMotorsports.com. Uh, and that's really for the Jags, the Heelys, the Triumphs, uh, anything, say, older than 1980 that's sports car related. We actually just came out with two really neat things, the um, the glove box companion for classic motorsports and the trackside companion for grassroots. And basically, we've taken about 30 years of combined knowledge and put them in these little booklets. And if you want to subscribe to the publications, we'll give you the uh, the booklet for free. Awesome. So it's a, it's a nice little bonus you can do. Check us out on our Facebook pages, on our website. And thanks for uh, thanks for reading. And, and Mark, thank you for reading as well and helping to pay my mortgage and pay <laughs> my welcome. bills and keep keep this keep this whole dream going. Well, you got to keep that pacer going on down the road. So uh, I'm happy to know I had a little piece of, of part of that. Oh, you can have the whole piece, Mark. It could be <laughs> that, no, no. That's okay. I think it needs to go to somebody a little more deserving, but I appreciate the offer. You know, all these cars I give away on, on cars, yeah, no one's ever offered to give me one. So you're the first, Joe. I, that makes you pretty all darn right, special. All so, right. all right, I'll make sure the guy at the guard gate does not let that car in. So <laughs> I'll never look a gift horse in the mouth. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to everything Joe's been so kind to share on his show notes page on the Cars Yow website. Again, that's Joe Guerin, G-E-A-R-I-N. Make sure you check out Grassroots Motorsports. 
the magazines, the website. There's all sorts of cool stuff if you're a gearhead, a motorhead, if you love old cars. Joe, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your automotive experiences with the Cars Yeah audience and me. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Pleasure's been all mine, Mark. Thank you so much. It's been a blast. You're welcome. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. member, Finra Sipic. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!